Thank you for joining us in part two with Dr. Alex Baugh. Let's uh, jump right into the content of, of section 58. We'll turn it to you, Alex. What can you tell us? What's, what's going to happen August 1st? Okay, so now that they're there and there's a certain amount of people, again, they're not all there. The Colesville branch isn't all there, but they're coming. And uh, others will come and these other missionaries will, uh, you know, wish they were there, but they'll get there. They're, they'll fulfill the revelation and at least get there. In fact, the revelation says, uh, for those en route, uh, still hold another conference for them. But, uh, uh, you know, Edward Partridge, you can do that once they get here. But uh, I think the Lord uh, throws kind of a, a warning shot to them in the opening verses. Uh, I don't know how I would have felt had I read this. Um, but it basically says, um, uh, O ye elders of my church, give ear to my word. Uh, verse 2, For verily I send you, blessed is he that keepeth my commandments, whether in life or in death. And he that is faithful in tribulation, the reward of the same is greater in the kingdom of heaven. I think he's giving him a little warning shot here that they're going to have some hardships. This uh, you, you think of Zion and go, wow, this is fantastic. We've read about this in the Book of Mormon, but... Um, yeah, the idea. Here's the plan. We're going to move there, build Zion. The Lord's going to come. Right? Yeah. This is a this is a perfect plan, and the Lord's saying it might not happen just the, the way, way you think it's going to. Yeah, happen. it's not going to be all all roses. And um, so, notice again, verse four: for after much tribulation come the blessings. Mm. Uh, that that that's a great message to all of us, and I think any one of us can say. Uh, I, you know, when you, when you're married or, you know, when you start a mission, you go, boy, this is going to be great. Well, it's going to be hard. Life's hard. Uh, you know, there's the refiner's fire and tribulation builds saints. It builds the people of God. And, uh, although we need to build Zion, uh, it may not happen, uh, in your lifetime even, um, uh, to these saints, but at least be here. And in fact, he says, um, uh, that they might be honored, verse 7, in laying the foundation and bearing record of the land upon which the design of God shall stand. I admire these people. Like I say, I, they, they had no clue that 200 years down the road, we'd be sitting there going, you know, the Knights, the, the Gilberts, the Partridges, uh, these are great saints who's inspired me to live the gospel in ways that they would never, they, they, they didn't, picture themselves as being known throughout the church. I mean, just reading the revelations, we, we mentioned their names. Um, Oliver Granger, section 117. Uh, we just mentioned him, but he's, he's, he's there for time immemorial because he was mentioned in a revelation. I really, I really love these people. And uh, what, you know, again, I, they, we see from hindsight, they just didn't have that. And so uh, the Lord's telling him it's going to be tough, but you'll be honored. This is a great honor that you're here and can kind of lay the foundation wow. uh, of the uh, of the church in, in, in Missouri. And when you think about it today, let's just jump ahead. What have we got in Missouri? Oh, I, right in the Kansas City area, there's, what, seven, eight stakes? We've got a temple. We've got uh, visitor centers. We've got, oh, my goodness. I threw out the first pitch at a Kansas City Royals game in July of 2018 as part of a Mormon day for the Royals there. 
John, that's wonderful. Uh, with all of the Kansas City missionaries in the in the stands, that uh, that I threw to my wife. They said, "Who do you want to catch it?" And Kim was there, and we practiced at the hotel, and she kept dropping it. But when it came time, she caught it. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> and it was high and outside, but the mascot said it was a strike, so it was pretty funny. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> but yeah, and we and you know the Kansas City Temple is there. It's just beautiful. Can I say something real quick? What you just said is is so, I just have never noticed verse seven, that you might be honored in laying mm-hmm. the foundation and bearing record of the land upon which Zion of God shall stand. I'd never noticed that because they wouldn't have known. Here, yeah. if we would have told them, hey, one day we're going to have a podcast and it's going to be all about you, right? And they would have... <laughs> What in the world? Why would everyone be talking about us? Well, we're going to print these revelations and your name's going to be in them. They would have had any clue that, that, and I just, I'd never noticed that before. And I, I like to think that the Lord saw programs like the one we have here, honoring these people. Uh, God has the big picture. Absolutely. But Alex, this, this is just a start because laying the foundation, do you think that was a hint to them that you might not completely build Zion, but you're going to lay a foundation. Yep, no question about it. And that that sticks with them for a long time. Uh, and what I mean by that is uh, in 1833, when they're expelled, and there's about 1,200. And when you mm. can imagine Joseph Smith, he's absolutely devastated. They are too, but they're going to hold it. Weren't we supposed to? This is yeah. our land that, you know, this is the designated spot. That must have been such a huge disappointment. And then, unfortunately, when they do Zion's camp, we thought maybe this is the chance we can yeah. have to redeem Zion. Put him back, yeah. Didn't happen. And then we 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 keep moving. And then, of course, 38, 39, we go again. And Joseph, I know, is just going, this hurts. Now, hold it. Why aren't we there? We're supposed to be there. And then finally, the Lord says in section 124, uh, when men come about to to cause problems and prohibit you from, I'm, I'm paraphrasing terribly, but yeah. uh, I will require no more at your hand. Uh, so don't worry about it. We're not going back to Missouri. Uh, it, we're we're done for now. But don't worry, mm. we'll mm. still be there. Zion yeah. will not be moved out of her place. Uh, mm. it, it is meant to be. And uh, again, uh, he he writes in the Articles of Faith. That's later on after they've been kicked out, right? But Zion, the new Jerusalem, will be built upon the American continent. He still believes it, even yep. though they're in Nauvoo at that time. Joseph Smith said Zion should be the the, the greatest object of our people. I mean, uh, this this is and and this is President Nelson. Uh, we're not necessarily gathering back to Missouri, but we are establishing through uh, the gathering of Israel in a preparatory way for the establishment of Zion. That's, it's going to happen. And you see it happening in his emphasis is absolutely right spot on. Um, if we're going to establish that city and that that community that will welcome him when his return comes. Now, I don't know how other, the rest of the world would look at our attitudes and views about this, but we have a vision of the future. And I'm just grateful to be a part of it at this point in time in my life. I don't know if you'll see it. I don't know if I'll see it. I doubt I will. But in the meantime, gather Israel, build it up. The day will come. Uh, Zion will be established. It'll be wonderful. 
I think too, this, this helps us as we see these different, I wouldn't say evolving, but we're getting different uh, definitions of what Zion is. Cause it's, it becomes, it's a cause at one point. It's a place at one point. It's a people. It's a spiritual state at one point. What would you say it is now? We're hoping for a future geographic City. place. Would you say it that way? But we are all trying to reach a state, a spiritual state of Zion, being of one heart and one mind. Is that a good? Yeah, I, I, I think we can say there's multiple meetings of Zion. Yeah. You know, the pure in heart, it's a location. We refer to the stakes of Zion. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's there's kind of a multiple uh, use of that term. But uh, here in this context, I think we can say that Joseph and, and the object of these saints was to lay the foundation, prepare for the time when all saints in their minds would gather here yeah. and and uh, be the people of God and live like Enoch and his people and have one heart, one mind. I do try to kid a little bit with my, I have 14 families, 14 homes in our cul-de-sac. And I said, you know, if I could have named this street, I would name it Zion Circle. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, there's such good people. Uh, we have one non-Latter-day Saint family, but... Uh, they are it's an elderly couple, but they are the sweetest people, and uh, they. Uh, um, Pat and Ken Walzak, and they love to watch conference. Uh, hmm. But uh, they're they're part of our community, part of Zion. Gosh, I got I got to quit. I'm no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Well, listen, hey, if, you, if you expand your circle and any lots come up, you you call me. <laughs> call Zion Absolutely. Realty. Tell me there's an opening. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, uh, Susan, my wife, the only time I've taken her to Missouri, that's unfortunate, but is in summer. And she said, <laughs> she said yeah, no more. She said, Alex, <laughs> we got to change the weather patterns here. Uh, you know, it was like 102 one time with, you know, 98% oh, humidity. Oh. And that, in nine months out of the year, it's not bad, but. But uh, I can imagine that game that you hit, hit you, you know, did your pitch. Yeah. Uh, I, you were I, fanning yourself the rest of the game. I was going to bring that up. I thought the times I've been to Adam on Diamond, it was so hot. I thought, <laughs> I, I don't want to hike back here. It's brutal. <laughs> brutal. While they're going to lay the foundation, the Lord kind of gives a little bit of a timetable, I think, here for us with this kind of parable. I mean, it's kind of interesting to see how these parables prop up you know, yeah. crop up in the, in the revelations of Joseph mm -hmm. Smith. But he talks about um, how the, there will be a feast of fat things that might be prepared for the poor. We always got to worry about them. But uh, in regards to this, this great feast, who's going to be invited? Well, first the rich and the learned, the wise and the noble, and then cometh the day of my power. Then shall the poor, the lame, the blind, the deaf come in at the marriage of the lamb. And I think this is actually, this parable is try, trying to show us how the gospel will spread. For example, where do we go with the missionary? Where, where does the gospel preach to in the, uh, let's just go to the 19th century? Well, we uh, the United States, Canada, Europe, the mm -hmm. kind of the established countries, the economically advantaged countries. Where are we going now? Well, yeah. Zimbabwe, Nigeria, and I'm I'm not I'm not putting those countries down. I'm just saying we could never have come to them and with the gospel unless we had the, the gospel first established 
in the nations of the earth where it could grow and prosper, and we can take the full programs and operations of the church. Wonderful. I, I think I think Lord's trying to tell us it it will go forth, but it, it will have a pattern of, okay, who can who can sustain the church in its in its um, in the global perspective of trying to get the gospel to all the nations. We have to start with with those who can sustain it, and then we can have the means whereby we can go to other nations. And and I think you all know where is the gospel going forth the greatest? West Africa, Indonesia. Philippines, um, this this in in nineteenth century terms, this would be considered the heathen, and yet they're they're vastly outshining our conversions of 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 Europe, and, and I'm not saying we're not making converts in Europe, but uh, oh, yeah. Europe is secularized, uh, even America, uh, but boy, go to Ghana, Ghana, and. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, and it's it's amazing mm. yeah. uh, the temples that are going in and the, the well. The what a people. great connection, Alex! What a great connection with verses nine, ten, and eleven. There, I'd never seen that. Yeah, and it's it's a New Testament parable, and I love that you said that because I keep noticing that too. Uh, how uh, you know how Jesus expounded all the scriptures in one to in Third Nephi and. Here we go with another one and giving us a a way to interpret it with uh, modern church history. That's really yeah, cool. So it's called the marriage of the lamb in, in verse 11, like you said. And wasn't it wonderful in the April conference? Who spoke? Yeah. Uh, all of them international. That was people. so great. Oh, uh, that just, and to see these primary children singing, I'm a child of God, or I love to see the oh, temple in Korean yeah. and mm. uh I, I tell you that was that was a monumental, momentous conference, just for who participated, and some of them spoke in broken English. But boy, I felt testimony. Oh. I, I just sit there and go, these people are powerful, spiritual people, uh, brought into the household of God, uh, and hopefully they'll learn about Edward Partridge and Joseph Knight mm. and some of these uh, these these names must be foreign to them, but. Uh, They'll be well known. Anyway, that's kind honored. of backing up again. And yeah. yeah. No, no thank you. That's a great way to look at that because at one time I remember learning in the Nauvoo pageant and just going, oh, why didn't I know that? But that they called all the 12 and sent them all to the British Isles, right? And to to focus their missionary work there for a time. Yeah. Industrialized Europe. Go to London. Go to, go, go to, go to Great Britain. And of course, they came... To Nauvoo oh. and helped us build the temple. I mean, yeah, we could not have done it without the the British saints and the British stonecutters. Uh, fantastic wow. people. So there's a pattern there, and, and I, I I think I hope that's a kind of a correct assessment. I it maybe there's I think it ways is, to Alex. look at. I love it. it there. So let's keep going. Well, you you mentioned then uh, we mentioned a little bit about Edward Partridge, and there's his condemnation. Unfortunately, there it is. But as you know, uh, he was told. Uh, Originally, that in him there is no guile. He was like Nathaniel, yeah. but he had his moment. But I will tell you, he never wavered after this. Never, never. Mm. He saw the saints. He was the main point man for the church uh, throughout, uh, really, all of Jackson County. And of course, who do the who does the mob go after on July twentieth? Mm -hmm. Not Oliver Cowdery. 
he goes after Partridge and Phelps and Gilbert. And uh, the this Whitmers, is gonna, that's two years from now, right? Alan? Yeah, that's two years from now. Uh, they don't, they're not out there hitting, you know, striking David Whitmer. He's one of the witnesses, but uh, uh, it's Partridge. And then in Clay County, he does everything he can to get him settled there. And then who oversees the the move to Caldwell County? It's Partridge. And then who helps get the Saints out of Missouri? Partridge. And then he dies in 1840 in Nauvoo. I. I Edward Partridge is just one rock. And uh, and again, I, I just stand, you talk about cemeteries, you stand in Nauvoo at that wonderful memorial to Edward Partridge. You just have to, like I say, almost weep at what he did for the church. But he had that one moment, and then he repented so quickly as I, I shared that letter, uh, that portion to his wife that yeah, he writes that back. Beautiful. And uh, says, I, 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 I don't know if I'm even worthy of this position. And I'll try to be, but he, 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 he was so quick to repent. I, I, I hope I can be like him in oh, so yeah. many ways and repent quickly. And I make mistakes. We all do. But just repent quickly and move on and, and make amends. Wow. Uh, he's, of course, uh, to be a judge uh, in Israel. That's what bishops do. Verse 17. He's going to have counselors. One's Isaac Morley. He's going to come and leave. Kirtland, and uh, then the other is John Coral, and uh, Isaac Morley's going to leave a pretty big farm, isn't he? No question about it. And that was his uh, consecration, and he moves there, and and all three of them are going to move on to the temple property, uh, in uh, once that uh, property is acquired. So, who are the counselors? Isaac Morley and Isaac Morley and John Coral, and they will be his counselors all the way through the the Missouri period. Wow. Unfortunately, we do lose John Coral. John Coral is one good man, great man, but finally Caldwell County did him in. He just he just could not follow the saints anymore. But he wrote a wonderful history, and that history is in the Joseph Smith papers. And he's not bitter, he's not antagonistic, he's just and and again. I, I honor him, but he, but he was beat up. He was just, he had had it and mm. he just couldn't take it anymore. Uh, and again, I feel badly about that. But John Coral was actually elected a representative from Caldwell County to the Missouri legislature. And in the legislature, he defended us, tried to help us get out of the state and give us some, get some state wow. funds to compensate a little bit. He, he's, he's a good man. And I think he's going to be okay. But that, Missouri just, it was just too tough on him. And yeah. but at the same time, there were those who made it through. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, uh, as I mentioned, it's going to be difficult because of the, the, the element, the differences of the, the population that they're around. And um, so it's not surprising. The Lord says, keep the laws of the land, do everything you can to be loyal, <laughs> faithful citizens in spite of their opposition and, and times in which they may, you know, use the law against you. That's verse and, 21, uh, right? Let no man break the laws of the land. For he that keepeth the laws of God hath no need to break the laws of the land. Beautiful. And, and of course, they also keep the laws of my, by my hand, verse uh, 23. And of course, uh, I should back up to verse 22. Be subject to the powers that be. And uh, I love President Oaks's talk in conference about... Mm-hmm. Uh, what we need to do, what our, the Constitution stands for, 
Uh, we we honor that. We honor the laws of the land, and um, and do everything you can to uphold the laws peacefully. And and that was certainly a message to the Latter Day Saints, especially. And we did not retaliate really when they came after us in in 1833. We we tried to somewhat defend ourselves, but when they said you have to go, we left. And we just we weren't we didn't want to, but we mm-hmm. we saw no other way to restore peace. So. Well, we have the uh, uh, appointment of Edward Partridge to have his residence with his counselors. And I could show you a map that shows you that we've put together that shows you where they lived on the temple lot. But uh, I have to jump to verse 26. And this is one of my favorites, uh, simply because if you're going to be uh, trying to become a Zion person, you better have initiative. <laughs> I don't know how to describe this anyway, but um, yeah. the Lord uses the example of uh, being not not being you know uh, in terms of using your agency for a good cause, and and if you don't, if you have to be compelled in all things, you're like a slothful servant. And I have joked with my students and said, you know, I think there's only one reason why the Lord created a sloth as an example <laughs> of what you shouldn't be. I mean, the the animal is so interesting in some ways, but they are slow. I love that you pointed out initiative. Uh, keep going with that. That's, that's well, first. The, the idea is, I think, I think sometimes the Lord just expects us to figure it out. Yeah. Um, you know, you get, you get a, like you say, a missionary, you, you get a, a new companion, you're in a new area. What do you do? Well, figure it out. Uh, yeah. You know, make it happen. You're you're coming to BYU or going to school. What are you going to be? Figure it out. Uh, take some classes. Do this. Um, get you get don't going. Have, get going. Uh, move. The things work out for those who really uh, just dig in and and make things happen. Make make a difference. John, and, you've said something like that. Like God can't direct you unless you're moving. Well, well, it's there's an old right. there's an old saying of uh, God cannot steer a parked car, and I think the Marion G. Romney quotation that I like is you can't expect God to guide your footsteps unless you're willing to move your feet. <laughs> yeah, perfect. And I think the the one that we always think of here is kind of First Nephi four six. I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand, but he just he just made tracks. Um, he broke his bow. He made a new one, and the topical guide reference there says initiative. And so I've got to, I'm going to tie that to a Nephi making a new bow instead of complaining. Just thought, well, let's see. I broke it. What should I do? I'll make another one. <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> well, he, and and he he goes on and says, you know, that he that doeth anything until he's commanded. There's there's the yeah. word again. He uh, keepeth it with slothfulness. I think with the ministering. Uh, uh, commission mm. we have just go do it. Uh, I I I shouldn't even say this, but I like to make rolls on Sunday, and I just sit there and I go, okay, who can I take some rolls to? Our family's not mm. going to eat them all. Just just do it. Just I have go. got to move to your circle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I have to say I've been making rolls every Sunday no for kidding. Sunday dinner. Uh, for, well, there was three years I was a bishop, I couldn't do it, but. But uh, I've t- my kids love my wife so much. I sit there and go, at least I could be remembered for something. <laughs> and that mm-hmm. was grandpa's roles, you know. Uh, <laughs> That's but, great. Uh, but just do it. Uh, make it happen. Follow those initial promptings and just follow through. Um, I always, I that- um, 
Alex, I always talk about the brother of Jared here, where the Lord says, what do you think we Figure do? it out. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Come up yeah. with an idea. Or uh, when the Lord is feeding the 5,000, right? Bring me what you have. Uh, yeah. Philip, how are we going to feed all these people, right? And Andrew's still in people's lunches. Well, I got this kid's lunch. What, do, you know, I, I like that. I think the Lord likes a little gumption, a little initiative. Zacchaeus yeah. climbs the tree so he can see the Lord. Like, I think the Lord likes it when mm-hmm. we're, we're yeah. trying things. We're putting forth effort. I think ministering is a perfect example to bring there because we, we want a sign up sheet and a checklist. And with, with ministering, it's, that's kind of a little different now. It's what you were saying. Go, go just do it. Go figure out something you can do. Yeah, you don't I need to, to mention right now um, that my ministering family listens to the podcast. And so I count that uh, as ministering. <laughs> so to the day family who is listening, sure love you. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> All right. Keep going. <laughs> I, I think that works. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Lord, uh, I did. I made this podcast for them and for other people, but for them. Uh, I, uh, I'm teaching gospel doctrine this year. Uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity. Does your ward realize who they have? Oh, they're, they're, they're patient with me. Um, <laughs> but I, every Friday or Saturday, I do send the entire ward some supplementary materials <laughs> that I hope will be a benefit to them. And, uh, you know, it could just be from the, you know, revelations in context, you know, James Colville yeah, or, you know, right. things like that. Just things that they can read that will supplement. And then, of course, there's some videos. And, and you know, when I, when we were talking about the three witnesses, I said, you got to see this classic. There's a whole generation that hasn't seen the classic three witnesses video. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I gave them a link for that. And, uh, again, <laughs> I, it just it makes me happy. Just to the fact that some would say that was thank you for sending that to us. I said, well, I just wanted you to have something else, you know. Right. Uh, mm. uh, but yeah, initiative is the key. I think just do something and make make things happen. You know, when I've read verse twenty seven to my classes, I've talked about being engaged. I I all of us teach at uh, BYU, uh, and engaged people are obsessed with each other. Uh, and so I've always said, <laughs> this is, this is why the Lord wants us to be anxiously your engaged, cue right ob- there. <laughs> obsessed with, with the work obsessed, right? This is, I just got to do more. I want to do more. I, how can I do more? Uh, and you watch engaged students and they just can't get enough of each other. Uh, and you think that's how we need to be with the gospel engaged, right? Yeah. Just can't get enough. I love that, Alex. Again, looking at verse 30 through, um, 33, um, I think you, you've probably explained or tried to explain this to others, but if we're promised, you obey, you keep a commandment, you obey, you get the blessing. And, and then unfortunately, if you don't obey, the Lord has to revoke it. So it's not over your head. And then you say, gosh, uh, didn't work. God, God didn't fulfill his promises. Well, right. And I think we, I think we need to say also that you don't get to choose the blessing. So often we say, I'll be obedient. And I want this particular blessing when in some cases the blessing may be difficulty to like yeah. you said create zion in you so uh you know it isn't like i've i've often wanted to choose the blessings i get from keeping the commandments right or i create an ex- an expectation or an assumption that if i keep these commandments i get these particular blessings and that's not what the lord has said yeah yeah right i, I mean look at these saints being driven out of jackson county they had a certain expectation of what the blessing was going to be, and uh, the Lord still blessed them, but it wasn't with what they had thought. Yeah, good point. That's good why point. going back to verse three, I I just love verse three. You cannot behold with your natural eyes for the present time 
the design mm-hmm. of your God concerning those things which shall come hereafter. That that is an awesome verse in this whole section. It, yeah. And that's a that's a trust me type section. Yeah, that's an Isaiah 55, right? My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. It almost is, you're going to have to trust me on this. I can see things you can't see. We have a mention made here of good old Martin Harris. And uh, I love this guy. And uh, we have to treat him with great honor and respect because his brother is the ancestor of Dallin H. Oaks. Right. uh, Emer Harris. And... uh, I could take you to his grave up there in the Logan Cemetery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. But, but anyway, um, I think it's interesting. We have the evidence that um, Martin Harris was the one who was asked, of course, to uh, get things going here. And he donates $1,200 uh, to purchase the first uh, lands in, in Jackson oh. County, Missouri. So we want to give him credit for the Book of Mormon. Um, Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But uh, he was asked in that, uh, what, verse 35? 35. Yeah, and to, uh, this is what he shall do with his money um, there. So uh, he came through. And uh, interestingly enough, I've got all the land purchases in Jackson County of 1831, 32, and 33. I found all of them with some help of another colleague. And uh, sure enough, they spent just over $1,200 uh, for the uh, uh, that was probably uh, earmarked by as a result of of Martin Harris, wow. uh, but their last purchase in December uh, put them just a little bit over the twelve hundred dollar mark. So, uh, give Martin Harris a a nice pat on the back. He came Goodness. through with the uh, helping to establish the the um, first land purchases in Zion. Um, I hope everybody listening will. We'll always defend Martin Harris. If you've listened to this podcast, you have hopefully come to a new love for this good, good man. And here again, donating. And that's $1,200 in 1831, Alex. It's huge. Yeah. Huge. Uh, you and I don't have that money. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Uh, John, what were you going to say? I, I just wanted to make sure it's 1200 And I also, yeah, we, we mentioned that in the earlier podcast. We even quoted the Elder Oaks talk where he said, my... My middle name is I'm Dallin Harris Oaks, and 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 all of that happened. The losing 116 before he was baptized. Well, we believe in baptism for the remission of sins, don't we? And so look what Martin look what Martin did, and I I love that verse. He's an example for the church. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. He comes through every time uh, when you know he's our our finance our financier, I guess you yeah. might say. Yeah. And and we had to. There just wasn't. Uh, the, the the saints just didn't have the the means there, so that kind of fits with the parable earlier too. That first we're going to gather the rich and the learned, the wise and the noble, and then because because Martin Harris was in a position to do something that a lot of people wouldn't have been. Right, exactly. So we mentioned uh, a little bit about uh, Phelps's personality, but he's he's um, he's obviously gotten to know Joseph Smith on this trip. They're living with each other, you know, they're en route together. Um, and Joseph obviously recognizes his talents and skills. Um, but uh, Phelps is going to be planted down here, and he will be a major player. Of course, uh, they come after the print shop of uh, Phelps in 1833 and so on. Uh, and he's an articulate, uh, gifted man. Uh, he is a little different in his patriarchal blessing, uh, given, I'm trying to think, 34, 35, somewhere in there. Uh it says, 
W.W. Phelps, thou art a strange man, <laughs> a speckled bird. He, his talents and abilities have far exceeded his peculiarities, I guess. Okay, okay, yeah. But um, again, Phelps, Phelps had an ego. There's no question. And uh, I don't know what, I don't uh, understand all of his personality. Uh, Bruce Van Orden's written a terrific biography of Phelps. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, it's worth reading every word. Uh, but um, something something set him off here a little bit, and Joseph has to, or the Lord has to, kind of reprove him. And uh, of course, he says um, um, he's not sufficiently meek. Uh, meek. He needs to repent. Uh, kind of an interesting verse, and people may wonder why this is even in here that the Lord would direct Sidney Rigdon, who's a very good writer, by the way, uh, to write <laughs> a description of the land of Zion. Well, we live in different times. They don't have photography. The only way you can describe something to someone is if it's through writing. And so uh, he, he, I'm sure, would have, uh, you know, recognized the need for that. He ended up doing it. But when we get back to Kirtland, uh, he may have not done it while he was here. But when he gets back to Kirtland, uh, he does write something. And uh, unfortunately, in section 63, the Lord tells Martin, um, I'm not pleased with my servant, Sidney. He exalted himself. But then he says, and his writing is not acceptable unto the Lord, and he shall make oh, another. So I guess, uh, you oh. know, I've had that happen in English class. But, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but um, anyway, we don't know if exactly, uh, exactly it, what was his description and what the first one was and what the second one was. There is a, a description of Zion in the uh, prophet's manuscript history. That may very well be his. But okay. um, just uh, we got to get people oh, to be, be excited to come here. And and uh, you didn't do a good job on that. So, oh, goodness. So a little, you little imagine the Lord? Through. Nah, that's not good, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no oh. check plus smiley face on that paper. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Maybe should have asked Phelps. Uh, you know, right? He, he, he could he could have done it maybe a little uh, better. Poor Sydney. Uh, okay. The other thing is, of course, we don't want to overwhelm our uh, the local citizenry, and so the Lord tells them, um, verse uh, fifty four, fifty five, fifty six, and again, inasmuch as there is land obtained, let there be workmen sent forth of all kinds unto this land to labor for the saints of God. So we need. We need uh, tinsmiths. We need uh, uh, people who can run mills. We need uh, various types of uh, people who can contribute. And a cooper. I know who a cooper is. A he cooper. can make barrels. There right. you go. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, we need. Uh, we're going to live the law of consecration. We're going to do a lot of sharing. We need different types of people. And then, of course, uh, verse fifty-six: and let the work of gathering not be in haste, nor by flight. But let it be done as it shall be counseled by the elders of the church. We don't, again, want to overrun this. And unfortunately, uh, like I say, maybe we gathered a little bit too quickly in some regards because, again, uh, one of the um, arguments used against the saints for the reasons or the reasons, the justifications, I should say, that the uh, Jackson County citizens uh, uh, used against the saints was that they were they were fearful they would overrun the land and take over the politics and and everything like that. So um, you can see the wisdom in in not going too quickly, but at the same time selecting the right people to go that would be most beneficial for the Latter Day Saint communities. 
Interesting. There. When the Lord says, don't do this, and they do it anyway. Yeah. The, the next verse is uh, kind of interesting. Um, again, Joseph uh, will will know where he's now supposed to go, and I'll talk about that in just a minute, to actually dedicate the spot. They've probably selected the spot two days later, August 3rd. They will dedicate the spot that Joseph has identified for the temple. Hmm. The interesting thing here is, though, uh, they want uh, the Lord asks uh, Sidney Rigdon to consecrate or... Uh, dedicate this the actual land, this land of Zion, and then also a spot for the temple, the spot for the temple. As things turned out, the next day they do uh, have a dedicatory service for the dedication of the land of Zion. That's August 2nd. And then on August 3rd, Joseph Smith dedicates the temple site. So whereas Rigdon was really supposed to do both, I think when it came to dedicating the temple, Joseph goes, I'm going to do that one. <laughs> and so uh, we just have a slight variation of what was uh, uh, de okay. described in the revelation there. And then, of course, um, uh, we want now need to, uh, once those are all done, once we've dedicated the land, uh, dedicated the temple site, and had our conference that they were commanded to do in section 52, we need to head back. And so that's why he says here, uh, and let no man return from this land except he bear record by the way of that which he knows and most assuredly believes. And in other words, bear testimony on the way home. Preach the gospel. Open open your mouths. You know, spare not. Uh, sadly, of course, uh, we find out that <laughs> they get uh, partway through Missouri on the way back. And the Lord tells them, you've been, you're going back so speedily. There's people perishing on either sides of the river. You, you right, need to people take to time. talk to. Uh, you need to talk, you know, open your mouth. So uh, they could have been a little better, at least uh, trying to fulfill that charge. So some are going to stay and some are going back to Kirtland. Is that, yeah. sound, is that right? Well, uh, yes. Uh, I think we can safely say the, the, the group that's coming, the larger group is the, the rest of the Colesville branch. Those are the ones we okay. want planted here. We're also going to keep, Partridge is going to stay here, but some of the leadership are going to stay there. In fact, Phelps, or uh, uh, Bishop uh, Partridge writes his wife and says, I hope you can come this season, but I have to stay here and and uh, make things happen and, and purchase the land. Wow. So he doesn't go back. I know that. And I'm trying to remember when Lucy uh, comes down and he tells her in the letter, everything you need to bring, bedding, pie, uh, pots, pans, uh, so that they could be comfortable. This is there. the wild frontier out here. I love the last verse, uh, actually verse 64, kind of the capstone of this revelation. For verily the sound must go forth from this place into all the world and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel must be preached unto every creature with the signs following them that believe. Mm. Again, emphasis on the gathering uh, by, by uh, going into the world, preaching the gospel, and then uh, hopefully uh, have them gather to, the, to Zion and their, and their expectations for Zion. This place, he started with that. This is the place, and the gospel's going to go forth from here. All right. Um, but it looks like Joseph's still there six days later. Um, well, let me, let me, uh, maybe I could just say a little bit about the dedic the two dedications. Is that okay? Okay, what day? Yeah, just tell us what days so, those happen. So August 1 is this, uh, this Revelation 58. And so now they've been told, uh, Rigdon's been told to, dedicate or consecrate the land. 
Uh, so the next day, um, 12 men, does that sound like an important figure number? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 12 men symbolically laid the first log uh, for the establishment of Zion. So the 12 men consisted of uh, seven men of the Colesville branch who oh. had just arrived a few days earlier. And then the five others are the names we know a little bit more about. Uh, Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, Sidney Rigdon, W.W. W. Phelps, and then Ezra Booth. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced it was right there at the Joshua Lewis property. And so that's where everybody's at. And they just he just barely purchased this not even a week before. So I don't even know if they know where it is yet. But the point is, uh, we have a marker there. And, and uh, I don't know if you remember, uh, Hank, but uh, this is the marker in Troost Park with the bronze piece with 12 men and Joseph with this yeah. log. Uh, anyway, maybe you've seen that too, John. But uh, anyway, that keeps getting stolen. It, they keep <laughs> prying it off. Uh, it's a bronze piece. And I know that the kids go, hey, I can take that to some foundry and get 50 bucks for it. But um, but anyway, that's not the reason it's it, that I'm saying it's there. But the reason it is, is because, again, this is they were assembling at the Joshua Lewis property. So Joseph has is going to do three things while he's down there. Dedicate the land of Zion, which happened on the 2nd. Dedicate the temple site, which is August 3rd, and then um, have that conference on August 4th. And then they can make plans to go back. And that'll be section um, 59. Okay. So uh, what's interesting is um, when did Joseph Smith actually know where he was to actually dedicate the site. As we've learned in section 57, the Lord said it was on the uh, spot lying west of the temple, not far or the west of the courthouse. courthouse. So at some point in time, he actually had some uh, revelatory understanding. And in 1835, I'm going to excerpt just a little bit, but this is what he wrote. So years later. Yes, this is years later. So this is reflective uh, four years later. Having received a commandment to take my journey to the western boundaries of the state of Missouri and there designate the very spot which was to be the central spot for the commencement of the gathering of, together of those who embrace the fullness of the everlasting gospel, I accordingly undertook the journey with certain ones of my brethren. There was eight in his company. <clears throat> and after a long and tedious journey, suffering many privations and hardships, I arrived in Jackson County, Missouri. And after viewing the country, seeking diligently at the hand of God, he designated to me and others the very spot upon which he designed to commence the work of the gathering and the upbuilding of an holy city, which should be called Zion. So uh, it was a revelatory experience. He didn't go in any detail. Yeah. But uh, this uh, area that he did select was unfortunately... Um, if I could say it this way, was uh, occupied in terms of a squatter's right by a man by the name of Jones H. Flournoy. Okay. Flournoy had come to Independence. He lived on the edge of Independence, and the um, the area that composed the temple site was to the west of his house. And uh, somehow, I think Joseph had gained some understanding where this this location was for this temple. But it was, again, as I've mentioned to you, this portion of these, this land had not come for sale and would not come for sale 
until December 12th. <laughs> and it was part of what we call the seminary lands. What the state of Missouri and the federal government did was set aside portions of land that could be used after it was sold, or I should say that the sales of which would go for schools. And so this Jones H. Flournoy had staked out, uh, I'm thinking it's about 80 acres and maybe a little bit more. He might have gotten some more. But I think what happened here, and I, I think we can say this was safety, that Joseph realized where it was and asked him if they could go on his property. Now, it's not his yet because he hasn't bought it, but it's his because he's squatting on it. Okay. So he has the rights to it and said, this is important to us. We need to, uh, we'd like to come here and eventually occupy this property. Would you let us do it? And when it comes available, uh, we will we will pay you for it. And for some reason, again, we don't know all the reasons why he, uh, why, with that exchange, but the point is, Joseph would not have gone on this property and they had to cut through the underbrush. I mean, this is a yeah. thickly, mm -hmm. um, this is not easy to get to. But it's the highest point in Jackson County outside where the um, the courthouse is. And if anybody's been there, you know this has a slow rise. Yeah. Uh, if you got in a car, you could still see and, and feel that, oh, you were going up to the top here. So it's it's a prominent place. So I think that's important to note that I think that the prophet had this visionary or at least revelatory understanding where it was to be, sought permission dedicated it, but we weren't able to acquire it until Flournoy could acquire it so he could sell it to us. Well, that's a long way of, uh, long kind of description of how they got it. But um, it's very important to know also that uh, the most, I think, accurate uh, person in describing the actual dedication is Joseph Smith himself. There are several people who claim they were there, but Joseph Smith's description is the very best. And I will read that to you. Awesome. It's very brief. On the third day of August, I proceeded to dedicate the spot for the temple a little west of Independence. And there were present Sidney Rigdon, Edward Partridge, William W. Phelps, Oliver Cowdery, Martin Harris, and Joseph Coe. The 87th Psalm was read, and the scene was solemn and impressive. Now, there's another... Some of you are interested in, or at least know about Ezra Booth. Mm -hmm. Ezra Booth is not mentioned as being there, but he obviously went to the site later and described trying to get through to actually, somebody showed it to him where Joseph had actually dedicated the site. And he gave a description and said that they actually blazed a T on the tree for temple. And uh, he saw that and said, that's what it was. And then he said on the other side of the tree was a letter Z for Zion. So I think Ezra Booth's description is accurate, but he was not there by any of the accounts for the actual dedication of the uh, temple site. In 1864, W.W. Uh, w. Phelps uh, wrote to the church historian and said, I was there. Let me tell you what I remember. And his account is quite interesting. Hmm. Where is he, uh, Phelps living in 64? He's in Utah. He's in Utah, yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So he's he's getting quite old. <laughs> yeah. And he says, on the fourth day of August, he's got the date wrong. It's the third. Joseph Smith, Edward Partridge, W.W. Phelps, 
himself, Joseph Cole, Oliver Cowdery, Frederick G. Williams, Martin Harris, and Algernon Sidney Gilbert, A.S. Gilbert, as elders, and a brother, Holcomb. I've been trying to find out who that is. I think it's Holcomb, but I don't know who it is. Okay. Uh, dedicated a little west of Independence, the spot for the temple of the Lord. I made the prayer. Joseph Smith delivered the dedicatory words, and Oliver Cowdery closed with a benediction. Coe planted a stone at the southeast corner of the ten acres for the first temple. So he gives us a little more information there. If his memory's correct, he adds a few more individuals. Uh, but I, I hope to eventually kind of put some flesh on that and hmm. kind of help uh, uh, kind of describe a little more why they uh, why they had to get permission to probably go on the property, who was there, southeast corner, so on and so forth. They did not uh, they did not put a huge cornerstone in. Uh, they just marked a marked just it a with marker. a stone. Yeah. Okay. And when you go to Independence today, um, it's just this big, flat, grassy area, right? Yes. And that's where they think this all is. And you see some reorganized buildings and yeah, there's I a mean, lot the of Community of yeah. Christ Auditorium. Okay. Yeah, John, you've got the layout of the land pretty good there. Um, there is three uh, restoration groups who yeah. have property there. Temple Lot uh, and Hedrickites or <laughs> what is it? Church of Christ, Temple Lot. Obviously, right. we refer to them as the Hedrickites. And then uh, the um, Community of Christ, they own about 40 acres. The um, Now, we, we've got streets in there now, so they're, 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 that doesn't have the full acreage of the 63. Mm. But we have about 18 acres, and that's where our visitor center is is established, uh, built. Mm -hmm. And uh, the just right off the line there is the, the stake center. And the... Um, uh, Community of Christ has about 40 acres, probably a little less with the street uh, incursion. Hmm. Uh, I don't, yeah. I don't know if you want me to go into how we got it. Uh, uh, we'll do that at a future, yeah, okay. a future date when um, we do our podcast from Zion. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So on August 4th, we now have the conference of the church that was called for in section 52. And by this time, uh, there are, uh, the, the minutes list the names of 14 elders in addition to 31 members. So we've got more elders coming and more members coming from the, uh, from the past uh, week or so. And uh, a hymn was sung, Bishop Partridge prayed, Sidney Rigdon charged the members to exhortation and obedience, and uh, Richard Zibaziba Peterson uh, confessed <laughs> his transgressions. <laughs> And uh, Joseph encouraged all to keep the commandments, and Oliver Cowdery closed the meeting with prayer. So those are eventful three days, actually four. The first, you get the Revelation 58, the dedication of Zion, the second, the third, the dedication of the temple, and the fourth, the, the conference. So now Joseph feels like he's done everything uh, he needs to do. And I should say, just to support the idea that the uh, dedication of Zion took place on the Joshua Lewis property. This is where the conference took place. Okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm absolutely convinced uh, that's where it was uh, in, in Caw Township. Wow. You join the church and they hold conference at your, at your house. That's, not a, <laughs> <laughs> that's a nice plan. Conference is at my house, but it's usually on TV. So, 
All right, uh, Alex, let's move to section 59. I've, I noticed in the Come Follow Me manual, there's a big, bold question. Who was Polly Knight? Because Polly Knight is uh, listed here in uh, the section, right? Uh, in section, where is 59. she listed? Is she, it 59? She's, she's not actually listed. It says wife of Joseph Knight Sr. Oh, uh, do I have the, um, I have the old scriptures. Yeah, I've got the 2013 uh, Polly Knight, comma, the wife of Joseph Knight Sr. died, the first church member to die in Zion, it says okay. in the synopsis. Y'all, let that's me start the, over. Okay. That's start the new over. heading. Yeah, right, so, okay. the new one. Yeah. I, got my, I got my new one right here. Uh, Alex, let's move to section 59. It's on August 7th, so just a couple of days after the conference. Uh, and in the Come Follow Me manual, there's a big, bold question. Who is Polly Knight? Because in the section heading, it says, on the day this revelation was received, Polly Knight, the wife of Joseph Smith Knight Sr., died. So tell us, give us the background there. Well, first of all, that's a great inclusion by the uh, Scripture Committee, because we didn't have that in the earlier ones. And part of the reason was, is we didn't know which day she exactly died. Okay. But we do know it's August 7th because, again, Edward Partridge wrote it in his letter hmm. to his wife and said, uh, Mrs. Knight died this morning. So hmm. uh, she was 57 years old. Uh, she is, of course, hmm. the wife of Joseph Knight Sr. And even before they left Ohio, her health was tenuous. In fact, Newell Knight, her son, wrote in his autobiography, My mother's health was very poor and had been for a considerable time, yet she would not consent to stop traveling. He went on and said, that fearing she might die during the journey, uh, he purchased some lumber just in case he needed to make a coffin oh, wow. and bury her uh, en route. Wow. But then he said, uh, he wrote, but the Lord gave her the desire of her heart, and she lived to stand upon the land. And again, she died at the home of Joshua Lewis. This Joshua is the Knight Margaret family Lewis. who's known Joseph since what year? Yeah. 1826? Uh, uh, 26, 27, yeah. yeah. Are, they, are they the original Colesville family? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And again, a part of the Colesville branch. Yeah. The branch uh, met at their house, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they did. Uh, they did have another place as well. I'm trying to think. You mean in Colesville? Yeah, just that little yeah. house. They've got but, that but, little back area. But initially, there uh, there were a couple of places where they met. There was over wow. 70 members of the Colesville branch. That's the same place where Emma was baptized across the street, right there right? at the uh, cross street Pickerel Pond. Yes. Yeah. yeah. They kept having yeah. to make a new dam, and then it would get torn down and. That's that so, place, right? <laughs> so here are these people. I mean, this is just incredible. Here are these people who know Joseph long before, I shouldn't say long before, but before the Book of Mormon is printed, before it's yeah. translated, before it's before the church is organized. Uh, and Polly Knight is kind of our, I'm sure she's not the first Latter-day Saint to die, but this is, you know, die in the cause of, yeah. of Zion. Yeah. This is certainly sobering uh, to all the Colesville branch. I mean, the Knights were the figurehead family. Uh, at the same time, you can imagine her condition if she's that near death, and she yet she makes it there, just wanted to be, uh, you know, established in Zion, so to speak. Um, and do they really, bury her there? Is she the first Latter-day Saint buried in? Th that's correct, yes. In Zion? And, and so, again, she's probably buried right there on the Joseph uh, Joshua Lewis property. 
Okay. Now, what's interesting, he, she, um, uh, Joseph Knight later said, my wife being sick, the Lewises took us in their house. They were faithful and good to us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very comforting. And, of course, uh, probably saw to her uh, needs uh, to the very end there. Now, they held a funeral on August 8th, and she was buried in the woods nearby. Sadly, Joseph Knight remembers that he went to visit the grave a few days later and noticed that some hogs had began to root it up. So he built a pen around it to keep them out, so a fence. Mm. And then he Mm. concludes and says, it was the last thing I'd done for her. So you can imagine the heartache uh, coming here, you know, the expectations of establishing Zion, but I have to also had to bury my wife. The point is, I think the good thing uh, that her death did was spawn this revelation. Mm. And you catch that right again at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, where you, verse two, well, he said, Blessed saith the Lord, are they who have come up into the land with an eye single to my glory, according to my commandments. We could have put uh, Sister like, Knight. Like Polly. Yeah, right yeah. there. For those that live shall inherit the earth, and those that die such as Polly, shall rest from all their labors, and their works shall follow them, and they shall receive a crown in the mansions of my Father, which I have prepared for them. And blessed are they whose feet stand upon the land of Zion, who have obeyed my gospel, for they shall receive their reward, receive for their reward the good things of the earth, and it shall bring forth in its strength. And they shall be crowned, and they shall also be crowned with blessings from above, yea, with commandments not a few. I like that. Yeah. Um, commandments. Uh, God gives commandments to bring about our happiness. And um, commandments are so blessings. It's not, it, it, it creates a responsibility, but at the same time, uh, commandments provide blessings. Um, <clears throat> commandments, not a few, and with revelations in their time, they that are faithful and diligent before me. So, uh, again, I, I think that the, the sobering experience of Polly's death. Uh, caused Joseph to inquire, well, okay, so she made it here, but is this the end for her? Well, not really, and it's not for us either. And uh, you're blessed for having been obedient. And again, kind of ties back to section 58. They'll be honored uh, as uh, those who have come to sacrifice their lives, their time, their energies to to establish Zion. Yeah. Um, I This section is short, and I... I was intrigued that kind of the commandments were repeated there, and uh, but they're not exactly the same as the ten. In fact, I love verse seven. Okay, um, yeah, these are the. Of course, we know the big ten in Exodus right. twenty. Here's here's the big seven. <laughs> uh, there really are seven, and uh, some of them are a little bit of a reiteration. Uh, the first one, of course, is thou the the great commandment. Yeah. Uh, that's Matthew, what, 22. Uh, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and mind, thy mind, might, mind, and strength. And of course, the second one is the second great commandment to love thy neighbor. That's going to be tough for the church members in, in Jackson County. <laughs> uh, we do have the reiteration of thou shalt not steal or commit adultery nor kill. And the uh, added phrase, nor do anything like unto it. So there's there's uh, there's six. And then, of course, verse uh, eight, 
Thou shalt offer a sacrifice unto the Lord uh, thy God in righteousness, even that of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. I, he's leading into to the uh, sacrament. The yeah. sacrament. And again, I think most all of us know and understand Christ died of a broken heart. Uh, and I think even physiologically, mm-hmm. there was a wonderful uh, uh, article in the um, New England Journal of Medicine on when the sword pierced Jesus's side, uh, out came water or a fluid, and uh, it was basically uh, a, a heart that burst. It was a broken heart. Mm. And um, so there's physiological evidence that Savior's sacrifice on, or dying on the cross uh, may have been actually a, a, his, his broken, broken heart. heart. But uh, the point I want to make here is, is I think the Lord's trying to tell us, Hank and John, that we're in Zion. Now, how do you create a Zion people? Mm. Uh, you know from section, uh, what, 42, they are to live the law of consecration. They have to, and, and, and the law of consecration to us today is a little different, but we, we give it everything. We give all to the Lord, uh, time, talents, energies, everything. But how do you manifest that? Well, it's how you worship God himself. And on what day do we worship? Well, the Sabbath. I really think section 58 is it is the Lord's... Now, we, mm-hmm. he, he's mentioned sacrament before in uh, section... 20. 20. What was that? Section no, 20 was, has the prayers in it. Okay. There was one where he said, it doesn't matter what you eat and drink. I yeah, just can't is remember. that 21? Oh, 27? <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> it's a jumbled brain. Hey, it's 27 when he's going to buy, don't buy wine from your yeah. enemies. Yeah, is it 20, yeah 27. Yeah, yeah, 27. yeah. 27? Yeah. So, and I'll kind of back up. So, okay. So, in connection with these basic commandments that we're kind of all familiar with, but a little bit of a variation, uh, there's no commandment in the uh, in the Big Ten to talking about how you worship God, how you actually pay your devotions unto the Most High, and Section Fifty Nine capsulizes that principle, and that is how do you worship Me on the Sabbath day? Give Me your broken heart and a contrite spirit, but do it. At least once a week. Now, well, of course, we have to do it at all times in all places. But right. I think what he's trying to tell him here is if you want, be, want to become a Zion people, worship me the way a Zion people should. Hence, that thou mayest more fully keep thyself unspotted from the world, thou shalt go to the house of prayer and offer up thy sacraments upon my holy day. And again, as soon as we say sacraments, mean we typically say what? The sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The sacrament of the Lord's Supper. But sacraments can be anything that we sacrifice. more than that. For uh, and so on. I hope you don't mind. So sacraments, you could say sacrifices there. Offer up your sacrifice. Yeah. And and, and now we don't sit there and take a ewe lamb of one year. Right. And and take them to an altar and and have them, their blood spilt. But we offer other things. And... Uh, But I think the interesting thing here is some of the phrasing, of course, is just absolutely remarkable. Uh, We don't have houses of worship yet. There's no place for them to worship uh, in Jackson County. They're going to build a schoolhouse, 
Uh, certainly, we've been worshiping in the Isaac Morley House, but the place most people have been worshiping is in their homes. And isn't it remarkable? I don't know if the COVID-19 has done anything for anybody, but for the boss, my worship has changed by worshiping in my home. Mm. And I will, I will confess that as a typical, uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm not typical, but uh, my Sabbath day worship has taken on such deeper meaning with come follow me with the need to, uh, you know, church supported home worship centered, home centered. That has made a big, big change in my life. Now I, I worshiped with my family on Sunday, but not to the extent that I have in the last year and a half. It has been absolutely remarkable. And I'd like to show you something. For those watching on YouTube or? This is a silver, sterling silver picture. This is from the Logan Second Ward. This is owned by my grandfather, and I received it upon his death. Hmm. Uh, You can probably understand what this was used for. Mm -hmm. And there's the common cup. Wow. Now, this is why you sat at the front of the chapel <laughs> in so the, you don't want to be the last one to drink right but uh this means a lot to me i uh, i did find one of these on this is made by the um uh samson simpson uh gosh simpson hill uh foundry in connecticut this dates from uh 1866 to 1898 no kidding and um uh, but I mean, the you know, it's so symbolic of what the sacrament is all about and the bitter cup and, you know, the atonement and so on and so forth. But I have to show you this one, too. I don't know if you can see this. Wow. But these are sacrament cups, sterling silver. Hmm. I have, there's 18 on here and um, I have nine of these. So what, that's a little less than 160 cups. That replaced, of course, the common cup because that was impractical to use in terms of health, if nothing else. Yeah. But uh, in my first worship with my family during the COVID nineteen, when they told us to we could, when when they told us we could have our sacrament at home, I pulled these out, and I'll tell you that was probably will be one of the most memorable sacrament meetings we've used it ever since. To think of, again, just the fact that they're priceless in terms of their uh, meaning to us. But at the same time, uh, was my grandfather's. It's the Logan Second Ward on those. So 1902, they started at least having, uh, there's an inscription on the back. uh, That's 1902. They started um, using the individual cups. But uh, our sacrament meetings at my home have been absolutely heaven, heaven. Um, And to then discuss the wonderful elements of these revelations and the doctrines. Uh, I'm I'm sure many of you, I'm sure both of you can say the same thing. Uh, uh, Sunday is my delight. I've I've had a renewed appreciation. Hmm. And the Lord says it himself, this is a day appointed unto you to rest from your labors, and to pay thy devotions unto the Most High. Your your kids didn't want to use the common cup, huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> They're like, but, no, Dad. 
But of course, uh, we do have Latter-day Saints and and we're all striving for perfection. But you've always heard the term, uh, they're Sunday Mormons. And and that does happen where we just worship on Sunday and we may say our prayers all week, but that's about it. But I'm glad the Lord said, nevertheless, thy vows shall be offered up in righteousness on all days and at all times. But on the Sabbath, make it a point to worship me. And I really believe that the Sabbath day was created to the ancient Israelites, just like us today, so that if we did worship the Savior the way we're supposed to, that all nations, all people would know that Israel's God is God. And if Latter-day Saints would do the same, worship Mm. God the way we're supposed to, I think people would say, the Latter-day Saints God is God. They know how to worship him. They know what he stands for. They know of his mission and his atonement. I love how you describe it, a delight. The Sabbath day can be a delight. And I think uh, I think President Nelson gave a talk about the Sabbath being delighted. In fact, I think he's given a few talks about the Sabbath over the years. But I remember Brother Truman G. Madsen saying something like, "For the for the Jews, they would be held accountable for the joy they didn't feel on the Sabbath, but they should have." <laughs> does, does that ring a bell? Uh, yeah. That it should be a joy and a delight, and we can get kind of busy. We've got a heavy calling or something like that, and. Uh, but I love the, I love that phrase, and I think that should be what we're striving for, and and I love that you said that because I I thought, um, Elder Holland, I believe in, uh, one of the conferences during COVID talked about this home centered emphasis and how this the sacrament, I think he was referring to section fifty nine even the sacrament should mean even more now that we can uh, take it at home. I, I, we definitely need to have the fellowship of the saints. I mean, that's that's so important yeah. that we 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 partake of our of, that we share our testimonies and our convictions and and show our love. But uh, but like I say, just being at home with the sacrament uh, and having that opportunity is a rare privilege that we may not have again. Right. Uh, maybe for a very long time. Maybe a very short time. There. Yeah. But another way we worship, of course. Um, you see some of the most tender and meaningful moments of the Savior's life is when he they're enjoying food. And uh, hence, I think the wonderful point in verse 13, uh, how do you, what do you do for your food on the Sabbath? Do you prepare it with singleness of heart for the love and service you have for each other? And I don't know about you, but the best day of the week for a dinner with my family is we worship, mm-hmm. at least in conversation and in thanks, is uh, on a nice Sunday dinner. I think I think God approves of that. Yeah, and, and it doesn't mean we can't do a little more pre- preparation the day before. But <laughs> right. But uh, you think of the times you're drawn to your family and to worship. And I do review with my family. They knew it when we came home and had dinner. They had to tell me what they learned in Sunday school and priesthood mm-hmm. and <laughs> and uh, uh, sacrament. What touched your heart? What songs did we sing? And um, uh, wow. make it a day of worship and, and uh, gladness and joy. Uh, Sunday should be the best day of the week. And I think for most Latter-day Saints, it, it really is if they're doing it right. 
Very, oh, what a great statement. I've noticed that the Lord talks about gratitude, thanksgiving in quite a few places here. Verse seven, thou shalt thank the Lord thy God in all things. John, you mentioned that. That's an interesting commandment. Yeah, that's a uh, commandment that I just love that because because I, I when I see very strong words like all, I love to say to my class, now, what percentage is that anyway? <laughs> that's a pretty high percentage word. Because I think in all things can even mean... Um, for for the hard times, you're thanking him for everything, and so yeah. that's the the fact that that's in thou shalt uh, language is cool to me. And he he says it in fifteen. Do these things thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, mm-hmm. cheerful heart and countenances. And then he goes over in verse twenty one. Nothing offends me more than mm-hmm. those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandments. I I'm sensing from the Lord because I think the Lord teaches us for us, not for him, that gratitude expressed and thanksgiving expressed blesses the expressor more than the receiver. Hmm. Right. When I, when we offer, I, I remember President Hinckley's statement, right? This gratitude is the, the, the mark of an educated person, right? Uh, there's something about it that blesses yeah. our own life. When I offer gratitude to John, to Alex, to, to, you know, to anyone, when I offer that gratitude, something about it cleanses me. I think the Lord is saying, you need that cleansing. Yeah. Offer uh, gratitude. You need it. If I, if I could add one more th- thing to that, Hank, I think gratitude is very closely related to humility because with gratitude, we see where our blessings are coming from. Right. And we all know Moroni's promise, Moroni 10.4, but Moroni 10.3 is ponder how merciful God has been since the creation of Adam until the time you receive these things and ponder it in your hearts. And it should fill us with gratitude and humility. And I think that's there because gratitude is the gateway to revelation. And gratitude, humility are prerequisites to Moroni 10.4. Then ask, you know, if these things are true. So I think that sequence there of gratitude and humility is important. Wow. I've been really touched by this, Alex, um, because 58 was, here's Zion. 59 is, now become Zion. Zion. Mm -hmm. Individually, as a group, become Zion. So I want to take section 59 with my family and say, how can we we do a little bit better with being Zion, right? Um, They're doing a good job at not killing, uh, but we could probably do a better job as a family in keeping the Sabbath day. We could probably do a better job of being thankful. Um, not me, of course, but my children could do better at this, uh, you know, cheerful hearts and countenances. Um, I I just think there's a lot that we could take out of section 59 and say, how can I become more Zion? Like, how can I become more poly night? Like, yeah. And, and, uh, notice what he says for those who are able to do it, for those who really, uh, put into practice these, these principles we're talking about of worship and Sabbath observance and thankfulness. Uh, what can God not promise you? Uh, you? He could, could, why would he withhold any blessings if you know how to worship him? That's why he says, verily I say, this is verse 16, verily I say that inasmuch as ye do this, the fullness of the earth is yours. <laughs> Beasts of the field, fowls of the air, the herb, all good things which come of the earth for food or for raiment, uh, earth life is meant to be enjoyed. And if you can balance the blessings God has given you and recognize who they come from and worship him appropriately, why couldn't he give you everything? Everything. Because he knows you'll worship him and you won't be drawn by the things of the world or 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 deviate from the path, covenant path. 
you know how to worship him. He can give you all things, including eternal life. So, yeah, that's what he says. Even yeah. peace in this, this verse 23, peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. Um, um, Hank, I, um, I hope our, our listeners know about the website scriptures.byu.edu where right. you can see who has mentioned verses in general conference uh, ever since the restoration. And that verse 23, I think I was looking, got the most, gets the most mentions in general conference. Really? Um, that peace in this world. This is so great. Cause look, verse two, those that live shall inherit the earth. Those that die shall rest from all labors. Their works will follow them. Uh, they'll receive a crown of the mentions of my father. And that same idea at the end, uh, peace in this world and eternal life in the world to come. And it's a promise of what uh, righteousness will give you peace now, even in the midst of Jackson County type experiences and eternal life in the world to come. I thought, oh, that's kind of nice at this setting of Polly Knight's um, remembering Polly oh, Knight. Yeah. That is wonderful, John. Perfect. I went to um, Thanksgiving at my sister's house in Mapleton once and I don't know, it was, I called it a tree of life moment. My family was there. My siblings were there. A, a lot of joy, a lot of laughter. And then the food came out and it smelled so good and it looked so good. And my mom was there and we talked about my dad who had passed. And I just thought, this is so heaven-like. And it reminds me of these verses. And I put in my margin here next to verse 18, what a gracious God that we have. Look, look at this. Uh, verse 17. Verse 16 is talking about the fullness of the earth, as Alex mentioned. Verse 17. Yea, and the, the herb and the good things which come from the earth, whether for food or for raiment or for houses or for barns or for orchards or for gardens or for vineyards. Yea, all things which come of the earth and the season thereof are made for the benefit and use of man, both to please the eye and to gladden the heart. Yea, food for raiment, for taste and for smell, to strengthen the body, to enliven the soul. And look, listen to this. And it pleaseth God that he hath given all these things unto man. For unto this end were they made to be used. I mean, look at that. And I had just reading that and with my family and all this wonderful food and everything. I'm glad Alex mentioned that food's part of the Sabbath. And <laughs> the, the, the Lord's actually saying, I did this. Be, it pleases me to give this to you. How cool is that? How gracious a, a God we have to please our eyes, gladden our hearts. And I just thought I'd love those verses right there. Hmm. Terrific. That, it, it reminds so, me of so a, it reminds me of Nephi saying that the Liahona led them to the more fertile parts of the wilderness. The best right? parts. Yeah. Yeah. The best parts. It just seems that uh, when I, when I'm doing what the Lord asked me to do, it's still the wilderness. It's still mortality. But it's the more fertile parts of the wilderness. It's the best parts of life. Um, Alex, we have one last question for you. And you might have read this in the outline. Uh, this is uh, our listeners. They they always comment on this part. There's something about hearing the, the testimony, the personal testimony of an, a very educated Latter-day Saint. That's something there's something stirring about that. So I'm going to ask you this question. Um, Alex, you are a professor, you're a historian, and you're a scholar. You're also a father and a grandfather. You've been studying the scriptures, uh, especially these rev revelations, church history for decades, though you don't look it, but it has been decades <laughs> that you have studied this. You know 
honestly, Alex, you know, and I'm not, I'm not overstating this. Uh, when I wrote this out, you know more about the history of Joseph Smith and the church in Missouri than any other person alive today. Um, uh, and that to me is powerful. Uh, I, I would love to hear your personal thoughts on Joseph Smith, the restoration, uh, and what it's done for what it's done for Dr. Alex Ball. Well, that's a that's a loaded question, and I I hope I can express it in uh, the right uh, in the right with the right uh, heart. Um, it's just something so uh, magnificent about the restoration, and I guess the more I learn, the more I believe. Uh, again, we are to seek the Lord with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, and we kind of alluded to that a little bit. Uh, but there's the combination of of the the mind and the feeling, or the intellect and the feeling of the heart, and uh, I I think we all uh, just uh, we wrestle with things at times, but at the same time I always come back to the feelings I've received over and over and over again of the restoration. Uh, it just it just doesn't end. I just get I, I discover a new truth or something that just warms my soul again and just convinces me once again, um, helps me capture my testimony time and time again. And I'm just so grateful uh, for wonderful uh, people who have uh, taken the time to write and research and think and ponder. And uh, it's helped me in my own testimony. I, I just pray I'll endure to the end. I'm doing my very best, but I know I can give more. And I just love uh, the fact that the Lord has. I, I'm, I'm privileged to, to to be a witness of the Lord in all things and all places in this dispensation. It really is the most glorious dispensation of all time. Although I would have liked to have been in the time of the Savior, uh, my 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 uh, family said, "Dad, if you could go back in time, you'd go back to the time of Joseph Smith." And I said, "No, I'd probably go back to the time of Jesus. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him." Uh, do the things that he did, the miracles, and and hear him teach, hear him teach. We have glimpses of that, of course, in the scriptures. And then I said, and that after that, I would probably want to go back and see Joseph Smith and thank him, because he really is the dispensation head. There's no question about it. God singled him out in the pre-mortal existence, and uh, we are privileged to uh, be born in this dispensation of time in which the fullness is here, but the restoration is ongoing. And I hope to do my own part to help that restoration move forward in in my own way, not in the not in my own way about the restoration, other than the fact do what I can to to further the work and and help people strengthen their testimonies and uh, come unto Christ and be perfected in Him. Uh, the gospel is exciting, it's rewarding, it's it's just mind boggling at times, but. Uh, Boy, with the spirit, it just uh, it just is such a powerful influence in my life, and I'm grateful. I think you've you've done all those things you hope to do, uh, at least with us today. Uh, I think Thank this you. is going to bless. Uh, I, I know our listeners are, are probably just as full as I am, just thinking, "Oh, we love Alex Baugh uh, and his testimony." Yeah, I'm so um, glad we know you, and we know we have a resource because there's a lot more Missouri to come. And uh, there is, yeah. So, thank you so much for being with us, and I can't wait to 
to come back to you uh, to help us with some of these other ones in the future. Yep. We're going to well, have Alex you. back. Yeah. When the Saints are about to leave Missouri, we're going to bring Alex back and he can yeah. tell us what's <laughs> what's happened to him. Look forward to that. You, you're both doing a great work and uh, furthering uh, the work of the kingdom in a way that we wouldn't have been doing 10 years ago or five right. years ago. And uh, I hope that uh, the message that you're trying to convey will reach as many people as we can uh, to help them in their own scripture study, in their own lives, in their own understanding of the gospel. And I, I think it's it's uh, it's doing a, a great thing. So thank you so much, Hank and John, for your uh, your initiative. Yes. <laughs> You're anxiously engaged in a good cause. <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> we love it. We feel, you know, it's it's interesting. What appears to be a sacrifice, says President Hinckley, it turns out to be an investment that blesses yeah. your life. It's totally changed my doctrine and covenants. Oh, me too. Uh, yeah, me it's too. been and great. I, yeah. And we, we're not the only ones that do it, John. We want to thank all of you for listening. We want to thank um, thank you for your support. Uh, of course, we're grateful for Dr. Alex Baugh being here today. We're thankful to our uh, executive producers, Steve and Shannon Sorensen. Our production crew, we have a great production crew uh, here on Follow Him, made up of David Perry, Lisa Spice, Jamie Nielsen, Kyle Nelson, Will Stoughton, and Maria Hilton. Uh, and we hope that you will join us on our next episode of Follow Him. Follow Him.